it's fake, right? Well, it seems like forever since I've done this. Well, to be honest with you, I had a bit of a computer problem. I, for the second time in a year, almost to the day, almost to the day, <clears throat> my computer's hard drive crashed. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was already really busy the week before. It took a week trying to figure out if I could recover it. Uh, kind of hard to podcast without your mic uh, attached to your computer. So, uh, and then I decided to just say, screw it. I'm going to buy a new computer and uh, kind of leave that one in the dust and kind of move on and do a much better job of backing up my stuff, which I did do a pretty good job of backing up my stuff. Uh, one thing I did not save though was the theme song, which is why you heard a new theme song and a new intro today, which I personally seem to like better. Um, so we're back uh, every Wednesday. 10 a.m. I'm giving this today because um, I just feel like it's a necessary TLC kind of fallout, uh, you know, kind of report and just other stuff that happened since uh, since the last time I uh, I did one of these. So, um, so yeah. So if my voice sounds a little hoarse, excuse me. Uh, TLC we attended it last night in Boston. Uh, Lumpy, uh, Big Stew, who was on I think third or fourth episode. Um, and his buddy Allie, uh, another another great guy. We all went down together, and uh, we had some fun on the way down. So, um, so basically, yeah, uh, I'm gonna get into everything that happened from about the time we got into the car to about the time I uh, tried to go to sleep last night. But at that point, I was so amped up from the show, and uh, I was trying to watch the pay per view back on the network to see how it came across on TV because I could tell you in person it was pretty fucking good. And this is, you know, the last couple of shows before the raw I went to in Boston two months ago, I was only a house show guy. Cause when I was growing up, house shows were, were better than TVs, you know, minus the fireworks, et cetera. You got to see things that you wouldn't normally see on TV and they had more star power and the roster wasn't as thin and there was more people, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, but the last couple house shows, like I've cataloged on here, not been good. And it's depressing kind of because the arena is like half full, three quarters full. Like it's just never a sellout. It's never loud. Um, so last night was huge set, all the ladders, you know, tons of fireworks, you know, they said it was sold out. I saw a few empty seats, like maybe like 50 scattered about, but all in all 14,000 people, a sellout, very loud, very awesome. And for, me a treat because uh, my roommate Lumpy had never been to uh, a show like this. And you could just tell, like, he loved it from start to finish, and so did, uh, so did Stu and Allie. So on the way down to Boston, we left about 1.30 from Portland. It's about a two-hour drive, depending on how crazy of a driver you are. And um, so we one of my favorite podcasts is uh, obviously The Solid Monster, um, uh, Cheap Heat, uh, not Sam, but my my most favorite wrestling podcast is We Watch Wrestling with Matt McCarthy, uh, Vince Averill, Tom Sibley. Uh, they do a fantastic job. Um, it's not all WWE. It's not all Ring of Honor. It's not all PWG, although they do love PWG, which I've recently got introduced to through them. 
and it's fucking incredible. Do yourself a favor, go to Google, type in PWG Pro Wrestling Gorilla, take a look around. Um, you will love it. But anyway, um, besides the fact that they are actually hilarious and don't take themselves too seriously, uh, I think it was last week's episode. <clears throat> they played a game called Who's Your Favorite Wrestler? where Matt uh, McCarthy would go around in uh, L.A., uh, I think right off Hollywood Boulevard, which is hilarious. If anybody's ever been to Hollywood Boulevard, uh, it's, yeah, it is what it is. So um, the, the game was he would record himself asking who, is, who their favorite wrestler of the uh, drive through person at different fast food restaurants was, and given their description, their race, their ethnicity, uh, their age, whatever, where they're working, Prior, you had to guess who you think their favorite wrestler might be. So I think we only had, which is kind of, I thought we were going to have more. I think we had three toll booths on the way down. This was this was possible at. And before you fucking say, because somebody said this and was trying to be a smart ass on the We Watch Wrestling podcast group that I'm in. Uh, why didn't I use the Easy Pass? It's like, well, dude, use your head. I can't talk to an Easy Pass machine. We got a bunch of $1 bills so we could do this and talk to these people who usually just take quarters or dollars all day and probably were happy. Well, <laughs> from what I could tell, some of them were kind of happy that I asked this question and a little embarrassed and a little apprehensive. One thing I discovered, and you'll hear it, is some people, when you ask them it, right away, they're taken back. Second, when you ask who their favorite wrestler is, they... They almost, <laughs> they almost like don't want to say like they, they they think they're being tricked because they don't think it's cool anymore or accepted. Uh, but then if you get somebody who's like older, you say, well, when you were younger, who do you remember? And then they would say something. So sometimes it would be a quick response. Sometimes it would be a, sh- uh, a longer response. I had to try to pull it out of them. But either way, we did three of them. I believe I won. Uh, but I will I will uh, I will play them for you here and. Um, and see what you guys think. So we did the first one was uh, in Maine. Second was in New Hampshire. Third one was in Massachusetts. Uh, take a listen and uh, let me know what you guys think. Hey man, how's it going? We're doing a poll. Um, who's your favorite wrestler? Pro wrestler? Yeah. Uh, I don't really have one. I haven't watched it since I was a kid. Favorite ones uh, when you were a kid? Who was your favorite wrestler? Uh, Crusher Kowalski. Damn. Wow. Good pick, man. Well done, like, uh, sir. Have a good day, man. What? He meant Killer Kowalski, but yeah. that's still good. Yeah. Yeah. I got a question. Um, who's your favorite wrestler? MMA or, or uh, uh, WWE or, or pro wrestling? Pro wrestling? Yeah. You, might, like, you mean like the Hulk Hogan style? Yeah, thing? yeah, yeah. No, I don't have any of that. You don't? No, I don't watch those guys. Can you just name one off the top of your head that you like that you may have heard of? Uh, Hulk Hogan. Okay. Right. Thanks, man. Have a good one. Well, none of us thoroughly, thoroughly disappointed. <laughs> 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 See, so, oh man, that was so much fun. Uh, if you if you, if you're a wrestling fan, which if you're not and you're listening to this podcast, I don't know what you're doing here. But since you are a wrestling fan, you are listening here. Um, if I were you, I would play that game: drive-throughs, uh, toll booths. Because it's so funny because most other people uh, don't expect you to talk that way to them, expect to be spoken to at all. And uh, it's kind of funny to see. And it, it's really funny to see that in 2015, the names that still are brought up in conversation, and it just goes to show you WWE's inability to create new stars. You heard um, Stone Cold, uh, Hulk Hogan. 
and you heard Crusher Kowalski, which I think we meant to say Killer Kowalski, which is big in, you know, he trained Triple H, he's based out of Boston, trained a bunch of people. Um, I think he's in the WWE Hall of Fame, but, you know, it just goes to show you, it's like nobody said Roman Reigns, nobody said John Cena, nobody said Randy Orton. Uh, you know, it just goes to show you, you know, I think if we would have kept going, we would have gotten some rocks, The Rock, and, you know, maybe some more Stone Colds and things like that, but <clears throat> it just goes to show you, excuse me, that WWE has, has you know, as much as they want to say they're entertainment and as much as they make more money now than ever and they have tons of, you know, network shows and branding opportunities and they have a global presence, uh, that still doesn't, that still doesn't explain why 15, 16 years later, people are still bringing up who are undoubtedly the biggest names of all time, no matter how you feel about Hulk Hogan. You can't deny that most people are going to know who Hulk Hogan is or Stone Cold or The Rock. Um, but it was fun. It was funny. I won the game. Uh, I'm not sure if I was bought a free drink. Oh, I was bought a free drink. I was bought a Malibu and, uh, and pineapple juice, which is usually my go-to. I love fruity drinks. I love all that kind of stuff. Say what you will. And for some reason, I thought better of it and I just stuck to my typical Coors Light before the show and that was it. Um... But yeah, and I had enough monsters on the way down and the way back to keep me awake because uh, all of my co-pilots decided to fall asleep. Uh, so I'm not drinking a monster today. Monster still is a sponsor. Monster, I need more blue and I need more yellow. Uh, but for right now, I have water because I'm trying to rehydrate myself after just beer and energy drinks last night for TLC. Um, one more thing before we jump into TLC fallout. Um, uh, we stopped at a store in West Newbury, Massachusetts, home of John Cena, <laughs> just to be funny. We found this general store that looked like it would be something you'd see in Maine, where we're from, you know, the general store ideas. And uh, again, nice lady, probably in her late 40s, early 50s, working the counter. And we're like, you have a favorite wrestler? And she did the whole, well, I don't know, I don't know, I don't really, you know, I don't really watch that, you know, since I was a little girl. And I was like, we kept pushing her for probably 20 seconds. So finally, she goes, well... Rowdy Roddy Piper. And I go, oh, that's, that's awesome. Like, that's a great pick. And she goes, you know, he just died. So then, <laughs> so she does follow a little bit. And I go, yeah, no, that really, you know, that's, that was terrible. And she goes, yeah. And also like Jake the Snake I liked and The Undertaker. And she starts rattling off all these people. And it's like, it's just so funny that there's still this, um, there's still this uh, kind of stigma about pro wrestling that it's not cool to kind of talk about it until you're, until you're kind of pressed into actually saying what you know. A casual fan wouldn't know Roddy Piper. I mean, you might, or Jake the Snake, or Undertaker. But I mean, yeah, she liked these. What a sweetheart, too. So if you're in West Newberry and you want to go to um, the sketchiest store off Exit 47, I think it is. Uh, it's not called the sketchiest store. It's got a giant bear out front. Don't recall the name at the moment. Go in there, talk to that lady. She is lovely. And this is the part where I move into the TLC fallout and I take a sip and I will be TLC. Ready. So after the awesome ride down with the Who's Your Favorite Wrestler game, uh, it was time. And on the way down, I, I'm not sure when they announced it, but I know when I got wind of it. I got wind of it like at 3 o'clock that the pre-show match was actually going to be something that people wanted to see. Who would have thought that? Oh my God. Sasha Banks, the boss, my favorite wrestler in the world right now, and my girlfriend's, and my girlfriend was her for Halloween, and we got the boss's endorsement, that on a side note, uh, versus Becky Lynch. Uh, now, if you remember, if you're an NXT fan, um, these two have had great matches in NXT. The ability to kill it is there. 
So I wanted to make sure we were there early to make sure that we saw this. Because if they were going to be the only pre-show match, which I believe they were, um, they could kill it. Um, so we got there. We got early. We, I mean, we were in like 7, 7.15, maybe 7. Um, so we get in. We get to our seats. We got great seats. We're in the loge. Um, we get settled in. The atmosphere is great. Uh, the crowd was seemingly a lot of adults who had been enjoying adult beverages. So I was really pumped up because that often makes for a very good crowd. And I think Boston's probably, uh, out of wrestling cities, I would put Chicago first uh, or Philly first. So one, two, Chicago, Philly. Uh, three would be New York, Madison Square Garden uh, or anywhere in New York. And fourth, I think, would be Boston. Boston, then Pittsburgh. You know, I think that they're a smart crowd. They're a good crowd. But I'll get into the WWE crowd later, how I think that the WWE crowd sometimes now is more concerned with uh, making things messy and chanting stupid shit and trying to ruin things just for the sake of ruining things and forgetting that you're watching a show and you're watching uh, good versus evil and you're watching amazing athletes. I think that's something that's getting too far away and people need to forget about that for a second. Uh, but that's coming later. Um, so opening match before they even come out, I'm ready to go. I'm ready for you know people who have never been to something like this before to be thoroughly entertained. And um, out comes the boss, Sasha Banks, to a amazing reaction, one of the best reactions of the night. She comes out. Um, in front of me, there was a guy who had had too many Coors Lights, I believe. And I said before she came out, you know, if they give them anything more than eight minutes, they're gonna they might have the best match of the night because. Again, if you know Sasha Banks and what Becky Lynch can do, you know they can put on a great match. And people want to see Sasha Banks. That's what they want. That's why they have the We Want Sasha chance. I mean, the We Want Sasha chance went on throughout the night, basically. Um, so she comes out, and immediately she grabs a mic. The crowd pops for this. Um, I'm not sure if you can hear it on TV. Then they proceed to try to make this crowd, who loves the hometown girl Sasha Banks, they try to get the crowd to hate her by Tamina Snuka, who, by the way, looks so uncomfortable in all of this stuff. And I think she's about 15 years older than both of these girls. Like she's in her early forties or close to being 40, has a few kids. Um, she looks very uncomfortable with these two girls who are 23 and 28, maybe I think, um, uh, Naomi and Sasha, and they start singing a Christmas carol. I can't even recall what it was. And the crowd actually started booing because they don't want to see Sasha Banks do this fucking nonsense they want to see her wrestle that's why people like Sasha Banks because they like the way she wrestles and obviously her character is great but they want to see more so out comes uh Becky Lynch a good reaction here um I think there'll always be some sort of good reaction if someone's uh from Ireland and they're in Boston except for Seamus he didn't get too many <laughs> he didn't get too many cheers um so they come out and they had a good match. I will just say they had a good match. They, I think my expectations were like, oh my God, NXT TakeOver match here. This is what I was like thinking. But, you know, if I took a step back and I go, well, how does this compare to a Brie Bella or Nikki Bella uh, or any of the Divas matches for the last five years? How would this compare? Light years ahead. Good match uh, with Team Bed uh, assisting Sasha Banks in getting the win, which again, the crowd already forgave her for the opening uh, Christmas Carol they tried to sing and cheered her. And, um, you know, for a good, I think it was about a 10, 12 minute match, maybe 15 minutes. Um, 
a little bit slower than their usual pace. I think that these girls are a little bit intimidated by being on this stage. Um, not with the amount of people, I mean, because they did the same amount of people, if not more, maybe 2,000 people more in NXT Brooklyn TakeOver. So it's not the size of the arena. I think it's the people behind the scenes. Because in NXT, it's a very small group of people. It's Triple H. It's telling, you know, telling them to go out and, and do what they want. And not to do what they want, but... He has more leniency and he believes in them. Whereas, you know, before they go through, they got Vince McMahon, they have time constraints and they're the pre-show and they're not able to, I think, feel as comfortable as they would feel in another setting. That's just my opinion. Um, so the, the, after this, the crowd was really hyped. Um, they did the fireworks. They did the pyro. I'm feeling good. Everybody's feeling good. And uh, they we see that they put the tag team titles up, which uh, I didn't think they were going to start with this match. But I think they wanted to get the crowd into it really early on. And let me just tell you, I did not expect a lot. I was amped to hear Big E do his, oh, Boston. Because I just, that's fucking hilarious. How, do you, how are you not going to like that? I was doing it all day on the way down. I was so excited to hear that. Which, by the way, New Day, probably second or third biggest pop of the night. People love when they come out. Uh, they love to boo them too. But they're practically faces. But they're in a good spot. I was a little, I was a little uh, surprised they retained. Um, cause they don't have the ability to chase the titles now. You know, if they, excuse me, if they would have lost, they would have had the ability to keep chasing the titles, maybe back to WrestleMania or past the Royal Rumble. And it would have given them programs. Whereas now it's like, did they continue fighting the Usos and Kalisto? And so there's all these questions. Um, this match was so fucking good and unexpected. Was it a bit of a spot fest? Uh, yes, for sure. It was, um, some of the stuff they did with the ladders I've never seen. Uh, the, the move that Kalisto did on Jimmy or Jey Uso, I can't tell him apart where he like flipped him over the ladder and like almost like kind of like drove him down. Like not, not a pal driver, but when they, the big spot, if you watch TLC, you know what I'm talking about? That was fucking insane. I've never seen that. I've never seen somebody, uh, flip another guy into a 450 splash onto a ladder onto somebody. Um, I, 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 I just, I, I wasn't expecting it. Uh, and I, the one thing I didn't have the pleasure of listening to was Xavier Woods on commentary, which I watched the pay-per-view back last night when I got home and Xavier Woods on commentary is so funny, man. They have, uh, he is just, he's great. He's great on camera. He's great on the microphone. He's funny. He can actually wrestle when they need him to wrestle. Um, so I, I, I just love the new day right now. I really do. I think that they're great. I think that, uh, Stu had a good point that they are, a tag team, you know, if you think back over the last five years, six, seven years, there hasn't been too many standout tag teams. I mean, think about like when there's tag team matches, it's like, oh, 10 years ago it was DX versus the Spirit Squad. And then it was, you know, Batista and The Undertaker versus Jericho and, and Randy Orton. Or like they just pair these people together who aren't real tag teams, but they are an actual, you know, NXT does a great job of tag teams. But a lot of those tag teams can't transfer up to the main roster, like the Vaude Villains, which I don't think would resonate with a main roster crowd. Um, Jordan and Gable, I think, can. Uh, Enzo and Cass, I would like to think they would, but who knows. Um, but it's a cool time. I'm just hoping, and it's like every WWE fan, you hope they don't fuck it up. Like when they brought up Sasha Banks, you hope they didn't fuck it up. They fucked it up, and now they're trying to uh, fix it. You know, they fucked up. Rusev, and they're trying to fix it. Um, they have been fucking up Roman Reigns for a year um, because they refuse to listen to the crowd. The crowd is going to be what um, you know makes or breaks you in the end. 
So this match was uh, really good, unexpectedly good. Uh, it didn't. It it helped get over all teams involved. I don't think any team left this match um, worse off than they went in. I it made me like the Lucha Dragons more um, because I'm not a big fan of them. I like their work. I just can't emotionally invest in them. The Usos, it's kind of same thing. I just, I don't know how I feel about the Usos, but they showed me they had some toughness in this. And then, of course, the New Day um, was uh, was fantastic. So, um, I believe the next match was, and I'm going to skip over the ones that I really don't like because there really isn't much to talk about in some of these. Alberto Del Rio and Jack Swagger. You want to talk about a guy they fucked up. Uh, well, Jack Swagger's been off TV forever. When he came back, when... Del Rio first came back there was all these memes on the internet being like we thought he was fired or like where's he been or you know it's just it's classic WWE like keeping somebody off TV and then they expect somebody to come back like Jack Swagger and they expect us not to ask questions like a few people were happy to see him and then the Mex America storyline made no sense because when Swagger would come out and be like Zeb, do you remember our old times? It's like, dude, you are trying to be a face right now, trying to convince an old man in a rabbit scooter that he needs to come back to the faction that you guys were in before prior, which was basically um, Donald Trump-esque in regards to thinking that America was the greatest and they need to deport all of the illegals. And they would say the word illegals all the time. So the crowd from day one hasn't been into this. And they had Del Rio came back strong. He beat Cena. He looked aggressive in that four-way for the number one contenders match before Rollins got injured on Raw. He looked good. And they have kind of put him back to where he was in that mid-card with no, and he doesn't reference the U.S. title. He doesn't make it seem as important as Cena did or, uh, you know, when Rollins had it or when they were having those big matches with Kevin Owens. Like it just, they haven't, you know, they haven't made it a big deal. They don't let him talk about how it's a big deal. You know, we've had to deal with the Mex America thing for a few weeks. Um, so for this match, I'm just going to go ahead and say uh, I wasn't really paying attention. Basic match, A to B, uh, with uh, Del Rio winning uh, with the foot stomp and then putting a bunch of chairs on Swagger. Uh, uh, if I could tell you what I dislike the most about WWE, it would be this match and a few of the matches during the night. This this pay-per-view was great in certain spots, and in other spots, it is just as vanilla as vanilla can get. And so this match didn't do much for me. Del Rio took home the victory. Not sure what the hell they're doing with him or Swagger because this was such a weird build and flush of certain storylines along the way. Um, so, yeah, so that was that match, and um, not nothing really memorable about it. Next up... And I know Stu's going to love me for this one. Ryback and Rusev. I'm not going to talk about this match because I hate both. I liked Rusev when they built him up as a monster, but then he had to uh, go ahead and job to good old Super Cena there at WrestleMania last year. And it's kind of been downhill since Rusev ever since. It seems like he's thinking with his smaller head instead of his big head because if he was thinking with his big head, he wouldn't have posted Instagram photos during the middle of a fucking storyline with him and Lana together. They both don't seem that smart, and because of that, I despise both of them. Ryback, on the other hand, uh, he is legitimately everything I hate in a pro wrestler. Um, Takes himself way too seriously. If you watch Table for Three on WWE Network with Dolph Ziggler, Daniel Bryan, and him, 
it's like he cannot take a joke, takes himself too seriously. Not a guy I'd want to be around. He just this I we're gonna skip this match. I just it was I literally it was oh, number one. It was a piss break for me. I went to the bathroom. We left Stu alone to watch um, to watch his buddy Ryback, who he has a shirt of, uh, lose. I think in a few minutes. I don't even recall what happened in this match. I skipped over on the pay per view. I know that Rusev won, and they have a fuck ton of work to do with Rusev to get him back to even being remotely credible. I went to spend twenty dollars on a soda and some chicken fingers. Yes. $20. Next up, Wyatt Family versus Team ECW Originals. Um, okay, so I assume the Wyatts are going to win. That's what I hoped and we all hoped would happen. After, again, another group of people who I've said it before a million times, Bray Wyatt should be the second coming of The Undertaker. There'll never be another Undertaker. But there can be mystique around a wrestler like Bray Wyatt, like with that entrance, like how the crowd's behind him. They've held on to him as a face for too long, as a as a heel for too long. But since they have held on to him as a as a heel for too long, uh, they should build him as a scary heel. Right now, Bray Wyatt should be the WWE champion if they want a heel champion, not fucking Sheamus. And I know you guys all think the same. He doesn't, I mean, he could have, then he has those stable of guys that are with him for a reason. Unlike the League of Nations, who there's no explanation why they came together other than they're not from America and they're all from different countries and they're all European. Like, Jesus, like, if you gave the belt to Bray Wyatt, you already have a reason why Braun and, excuse me, Beef Stroganoff and Eric Harper and Luke Harper and Eric Rowan, whatever the fuck their names are, they have a reason to protect him and to keep the belt on him. So when Roman Reigns or Seth Rollins or any of these faces come back and achieve over him, it means more. Um, or at least it makes sense, which, you know, damn us for wanting these storylines to make sense. Um, so I didn't feel two ways about this match. I didn't think it was going to be a good match because when you really break it down, you have four enormous guys who all can work, minus Braun Strowman, who is... Um, Really, really green. And you have uh, four other guys in the Deadly Boys and Tommy Dreamer and Rhino who I think are all, uh, they eclipse all over uh, 200 years old all put together. <laughs> like, realistically speaking, um, Tommy Dreamer's an old guy. Rhino does not look like the old Rhino. And he's getting up there in age too. And both the Deadly Boys are pretty old. Even though they're in, you know, good shape and they look the same, they're a lot older. Um, so... This match was pretty A to B. Uh, there were some blown spots in it. Yeah, so I I don't know how I felt about this match. Um, crowd was a little bit. Um, they were they were pumped for the Wyatts. They were pretty you know hyped for the Deadly Boys. Um, it's funny though because when you watch on TV, uh, you experience the same thing that you watch live. So when we got there, we were hyped. We saw Sasha. We saw that opening match, which just was. Tons of screaming, you know, tons of spots, you know, you're amped up and you get brought back down with some of these undercard matches that you're not emotionally invested in. And then you get to this, this halfway point where you do care because you love the Wyatts because they're so cool and they're so good at being bad. Um, but then the match didn't deliver, you know, it just kind of was, you know, and also too, you have a hard time taking the deadly, I mean the, uh, the Wyatt family seriously. I mean, 
why take these guys seriously? They, for the last six months, have, again, been torn down, shown to be weak, got decimated. That that program with the Brothers of Destruction was just terrible to their characters. I mean, I don't know why they needed to do that, why they needed to put them in that program with them. Um, so I'm happy the Wyatt family got the win. It was really funny uh, when Bubba Ray Dudley went for the lighter fluid. Uh, the arena started going apeshit. And there was all this conversation of, oh my God, no, they can't. Are they going to do it? Oh my God, they're going to do it. No, it's PG. No, it's PG. They won't. And then it got kicked out of his hand and that was it. So they kind of like cock teased us there or blue balled us or uh, I don't know what the female equivalent of that is. Um, uh, but anyway, they made us think that something awesome was going to happen. Very ECW-ish and it didn't happen. And the match was over and the ECW got crushed and killed and the Wyatt family. Uh, hopefully, this is the beginning of them being booked unbeatable, strong, and like they were back in 2013 when they debuted uh, in 2014 with the Shield. So hopefully we will see um, we will see more of this. So not too much there. I, I I don't really have an opinion either way. I guess on this, I just hope that going into the Rumble, Bray Wyatt maybe gets inserted. I mean, they need to insert Bray into a title picture. How awesome would a strongly booked Bray be against Brock Lesnar? How awesome would that be against uh, Roman Reigns trying to defeat him? Roman and Brave had great matches over the past couple months when they were in a program together too, which a program that apparently we're supposed to forget about now. Um, so yeah, so that was that. Uh, now at this point, uh, we got three matches left. Kevin Owens and Dean, Charlotte and Paige, and the main event. And I was, I had really high hopes, as I think a lot of people on the internet and there had high hopes for, for Kevin Owens and Dean Ambrose. Um, Kevin Owens, again, great pop. People love Kevin Owens. They love to hate him. He is a fantastic fucking heel. Comes out. He doesn't say anything that's not true, but it gets him heat. You know, yay sports, he says. And then he goes, um, and this is so true. I live in New England, and this is so true uh, about sports fans here is that we're the worst losers, um, sore losers, we always say we, we categorize this as we, 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 we won the game. We, So he comes out and he says, you didn't have anything to do with it. You're just trying to live off other people who are more successful and ride coattails. You didn't do a goddamn thing. And then he had a great line where he said, um, uh, you know, should Dean Ambrose be over because he threw popcorn and soda in my face? And he goes, no, no, because I eat popcorn and drink soda every day of my life. And the whole crowd popped. <laughs> so even when he's talking shit about you. He's making you laugh, and it's great. And then he backs it up in the ring, too. Um, great match. Uh, good good amount of time. Flowed nice. Uh, Dean Ambrose is good in the ring. Kevin Owens is great in the ring. Um, I, I think that because Kevin Owens came in so hot and he had such great matches with Cena off the bat that it's kind of hard to pull out crazy things and false finishes that we haven't seen before. So... Uh, this is a great match. I got to tell you, though, um, I did not see Dean Ambrose picking up the victory here. I thought that they were going to roll with Kevin Owens and keep, uh, you know, letting him hold that IC title at IC title. Um, I liked it because they didn't say, well, this needs to happen at a big event, the Royal Rumble or WrestleMania or SummerSlam. Every pay-per-view should be looked at as a big chance to do something. So if this is the start of something like that where titles can change hands at a TLC pay-per-view, which most people think is a throwaway, um, then awesome. That's great. Uh, great counter to the pop-up power bomb. Uh, to this point, biggest pop of the night, uh, for when Dean Ambrose won. 
it's so funny watching it on TV to see how the microphones pick up certain things. When he got on the table the second time and got back in the ring with that title and the initial pop when he won was thunderous. Thunderous pop. Uh, everybody loved it. Owens rolled out. Dean celebrated. Uh, another high point of the night. Uh, and we were moving on to, at this point, the, the women's match. Um, which I felt bad for these women going in because they had to follow uh, a great match like, uh, like Dean and Kevin. Paige and Charlotte. Um, I don't know what to say about this. We're three or four weeks removed from when Paige uh, tried that dastardly heel move of making fun of and disrespecting Charlotte's actual dead brother uh, who died of a drug overdose uh, a few years ago. Um, this, the crowd, you could, if you're, I'm not sure how it came across on TV. I haven't gotten to that part yet. Um, but if you were in the arena, it was obvious that the crowd didn't know who to cheer for. It's this weird mind fuck because Char uh, Paige comes out, gets a pretty good face reaction, which is she supposed to be a face? Is she supposed to be good now after saying these things a few weeks ago? Did those things never ever happen? Then Charlotte comes out to a mixed reaction and then a bigger reaction because Ric Flair is with her. Why they are... Okay, Charlotte from day one has said she didn't want the Flair name. She didn't want to be associated with her dad. She wanted to make it on her own. You know, for someone who wants to make it on her own, she needs to maybe step up or say something or at least have a conversation with her dad where if she wants to be Charlotte Flair or just Charlotte, let her be that. Because involving her with the nature boy is hurting her and it's hurting him. It's hurting his legacy the more he does this this kind of stuff with his daughter. Um, so are they heels now? I mean, who knows if they're heels? I mean, are they heels? I mean, I don't I don't know. I can't tell. Um, so you have two you have two uh, characters here that that no one knows who they're supposed to cheer for, and you can feel it in the arena. I mean, the crowd was 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 kind of into some of the spots. Ric Flair was on the outside most of the time doing a strut. Um, uh, Charlotte did the awful, awful, awful thing uh, where she tried to imitate her father's face bump where she's woozy and she face plants into the mat. Let Ric Flair be Ric Flair. Stop using his stuff to get over. The wooing is ridiculous. And, you know, I just they they're really bad at storytelling right now. It's just. It's almost like it's in the talent's hands to fix the shitty storytelling. Um, that's almost like what it's like. So I didn't suspect that Paige would win here. Uh, but again, this is a match. Like I told you, I'm going to skip over a few of these where I just really didn't care. Crowd didn't care. We didn't care. Uh, this is because of the storytelling and how they laid the story out at, you know, before Survivor Series, at Survivor Series, and the night after on Raw. And these last couple of weeks, this is how they laid it out. Not much to get excited about. Uh, so this is so this is where the main events get ready to go on, and the crowd has already seen a seen and been happy by a face victory with Dean Ambrose, and they popped like crazy. Um, happy to see Sasha Banks popped crazy for the ladder match multiple times. Just it's a lot of energy, you know. I'm 30. When you get older and you get amped up like that. You can't just recover like a 15 year old. It takes it takes a lot of like gas out of you. So with that being said, crowds already seen a lot. Crowds happy. It's you know they've been in there for three hours now at this point. Seven thirty when the show started. Um, so they're you know and you're getting two guys who again 
This is new. This is Roman Reigns. Who everybody knows the story of Roman Reigns and what they're trying to do with him. Who's been getting better face reactions lately. Um, and Sheamus. Everybody knows the story with Sheamus. Um, but during the night when they would show highlights of this match and when they would show Reigns on the on the Titan Tron, um, he would get booed. So I was a little skeptical that this would be a quiet kind of sorry I just burped uh, that's the kind of quality you get on this podcast um, I was nervous that it was just going to be quiet you know and just people would just sit on their hands and for the most part they kind of did I mean they popped at the big spots you had two big fucking rugged rough strong style just um, really hard nosed guys in there wrestling neither one of them is theatrical or graceful or any of that stuff. It's hard nose, come at you kind of style. And there were some good spots and there was some good stuff. And it was, it's really weird. So they had this match. Reigns gets his 50-50 reaction. I love Roman Reigns. I'm not sure why. And guys, if it's because your girlfriend thinks he's hot, fucking grow a set. Be confident in you. Stop being pissed that your girlfriend likes another attractive man. And not to mention... The dude can go. If you're still denying, it's like the Cena thing. If you think that Roman Reigns can't put on good matches and he's not near a Cena yet, let it go. Look at all of his matches he's had in the last year, starting with Daniel Bryan at Fastlane. Fastlane, excuse me. He's put on great matches. And sometimes with people like the fucking Big Show, who legitimately is like trying to wrestle a giant hippopotamus. Like, he's done okay. I think it would help him to either go heel or change his attire or not talk, but he's got the tools, man. Stop hating on the guy. Stop hating. Honestly, he's got a great look, great entrance, great charisma when he's not talking yet. Let him be him, right? So numerous times, so when they started going with the false finishes, where they were going for the belt, there's a point at the end, and I couldn't believe it. When people thought Roman Reigns was going to get the belt, I think one of the biggest pops of the night occurred. I'm not sure how it sounds on TV. When he almost got to that belt, the crowd was going apeshit. Not even kidding. Grown men, women, kids going apeshit. League of Nations comes out, beats him down, um, costs him, you know, and then they had another false finish where he comes back, he fights back. They get it where he's at the end of the ladder. He looks up and he realizes, fuck, I can't win. I can't overcome these odds of this authority and these people stacked against me. For some reason, Dean Ambrose didn't come out. The Usos didn't come out, which I'm not sure if they'll ever address that or if they're just assuming that those guys went to party early and they left. Um, Don't know where they're going with that. So they're celebrating. Um, We're kind of like cock-teased again, uh, blue ball, whatever the female equivalent is, of what's going to happen. So we're about, it's about 1040 at this point. And I'm just assuming that they're going to go off the air early because the network, they can do what they want to do. He gets, so, and at this point, a lot of people started leaving. Not a lot of people, let's say 20%. Uh, not even that, 10%. But you saw people starting to go. And then you see Triple H come out. And I go, whoa, okay, hold on. And even then, I was like, okay. So he spears the League of Nations. Triple H comes out after Roman Reigns gets a chair and starts beating the fuck out of all of these guys. Stiff as fuck chair shots, right? Crowd's kind of like, okay, how how are we going to react to this? How are we going to react to this? It was still, you still didn't know how they were going to react. 
Then Triple H gets in the ring. And Roman decides, fuck it again. Superman Punch starts beating him down with a chair. And you can hear Stephanie. I heard her, but I could hear her on TV when I watched it. Pleading for him to stop. Takes him out of the ring. Power bombs him onto a table that doesn't break. And this is when the crowd turned. This is when the crowd started chanting, one more time, one more time. The crowd was, at this point, getting behind what they were seeing. He gets up. He elbow drops him through a table. Crowd goes apeshit again. He pretends to leave. Crowd's chanting, you know, they want they wanted him to go back and get the belt. That's what they were chanting for. They start helping Triple H out. And this is when I think Roman Reigns had a turning point in his career. He said, fuck it again. Came back, speared the shit out of Triple H. Crowd goes ape shit again. Again. And we thought he was gonna go back for the <laughs> fourth time. And and then this giant thank you Roman chant breaks out. Like, I'm sitting there looking at Lumpy and, and and I'm like, guys, like this is a moment. Like this is like this is like it, you know, could be right. Hey, listen, they're in Philly tonight. I could be wrong. I will when I podcast on Wednesday, you could say, you know what, you eat your words, that was just a one time crazy thing. They were hundred percent cheering him. I listened to a few uh podcasts and they're like, No, you could hear the you could hear the booze at the end. Motherfucker, I was there. Not a single person was booing him when he walked out. 100% face reaction, 100% like pops from everybody, not just kids and women, men loving this side of Roman Reigns. And this is the Roman Reigns that we have wanted forever. The Jack and the Beanstalk, the Tater Tots, the stupid promos. This is the Roman Reigns we want. Says few words, kicks the shit out of everybody, and takes what he wants. This is the one we want. Now, WWE, fantastic job. You have me wanting to watch Raw tonight to see what happens, to see if he's going to get fired, to see if he's going to, I don't know, what's going to happen. So, TLC, my first pay-per-view in years. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I give it a B-plus to an A-minus. Uh, one reason why I'm not giving it an A is because Rusev and Ryback, Swagger and Del Rio, and Paige and Charlotte, uh, and maybe the ECW Originals, did nothing for me. Absolutely did nothing for me. Um, and not much for anybody else too. So that's the TLC review. I'm going to be back. It's Monday night. I'm going to be back uh, Wednesday morning, 10 a.m. Every Wednesday, I promise. I got a new computer, I got a new MacBook Air, I got a new mic. Unless something else tragic happens, which I hope it doesn't. Uh, I will be back every Wednesday. Uh, hoping again, like I said, to have more guests on, to have more, uh, feedback, to have different things in the meantime, hope you guys enjoyed it. I went to the show so I can give you a pretty good rundown of everything that happened. So you have to take my word for it, but I almost positive everybody else would agree with what I just said happened. And if you didn't see the shirts me and Lumpy were wearing, I'll post a picture on the, uh, the, the, uh, the website, you know, it's fake, right.podbean.com subscribe on iTunes. We were wearing TLC the band t-shirts and they were fucking the shit and if you don't like tlc the band i don't know what to tell you i don't know what to tell you waterfalls on pretty creep come on now um subscribe on itunes stitcher podbean you know it's fake right now podbean search it you'll see the big uh kind of picturesque picture of Ric flair holding a microphone and if someone tells you you know it's fake right send them to my website and we'll set them straight Thanks for the follows, the views, the listens. I need to get a little bit of rest in me, get some more water in me after last night's zero water trip before I go to the gym. Be safe. Take care of yourself. Take care of others. See you guys on Wednesday morning. And uh, 
We'll see you soon.